Live Stills World Cup podcast. It's me, David, and I'm here with Will. And uh, basically, today we're going to talk about Group C. Um, I'm going to be talking about France and Australia, and you're going to be talking about. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about Denmark, uh, the the team who not to Ireland out of the the World Cup. So it's a bit of a sore topic for me. Uh, and then I'm also going to be talking about mm-hmm. Peru. Peru. So um, I've been lucky to get France and Australia because I don't know how you're going to talk about Peru. <laughs> yeah, I think we should flip a coin next time rather but, uh, than. Um... <laughs> uh, but um, I guess I'm going to go straight into it, and I'm going to talk about France and their hopes in the in Group C. Mm-hmm. And uh, you got to say they're going to be my personal picks for winning the whole damn thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, their squad from top to bottom is pretty stacked. You got Hugo Lloris, and then you got um, Steve Mandanda, who's always been an underrated goalkeeper of mine at, for the last like five years. Um, that defense, when I look at it, is pretty impeccable. Rafael Varane, mm-hmm. Samuel Mtiti, Sidibe, Benjamin Mendy, Jesus, the name's just. It's like watching like an all-star team just from one country, basically. Absolutely. And, yeah. and then like the midfield is just ridiculous. Like uh, Matuidi, Pogba, Kante, Lamar. Now, I know you don't really like Pogba, of course. Yeah. Um, you um, don't really rate his performances this year. Not this year. I think there's a couple of other French players who haven't made the squad as well in centre midfield, like Candagria for Valencia. I thought he had a fantastic mm-hmm. season for Valencia. Um, so yeah, it is what it is. Of course, of course. Um, but then you know, I bring it up to the forward line, and uh, it's just you know, take a pick really. Antoine Griezmann, Kylian Mbappe, and Nabil Fakir, who made the squad. You yeah. know, could um, make it a big money Guzman, move. So. Yeah, I, I think so. But like, really. That team, they got to be going far, don't they? Uh, this group is made for them. Mm-hmm. Australia, Peru. Who's the other team you got there? Uh, Denmark. Oh, Jesus. Like Could Denmark as opposed to... I, I don't know how they don't win all three games and you know really set themselves up for um, a good tournament. Now, they're coached by Didier Deschamps. Mm-hmm. He's been there now a long time. Um, and the thing with France is they're, they're a bit strange because they're a team that can come into a tournament and they can just be s- surrounded by such great um, team camaraderie, you know, the whole nation's behind them. And then at the same time, their players and team and country can just like turn on each other like a bunch <laughs> yeah. of teenage girls. Um, yeah, the French do like to strike. <laughs> so um, I think it was a Oh, ten World Cup, had a huge, huge fallout. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they can have that unity this time. For sure, for sure. And um, again, I, I just feel that it's kind of pick or miss. You know, do you want to take? Uh, do you want to take a team that you feel can bring it together and? you know, pick them as your team to go forward? Or do you always wonder that maybe that that split or one moment of madness can just, you know, bring it all apart and 
because when they do seem to bring it, put it together, they they seem to win. You know, yeah. um, you think about going twenty years back to ninety eight, or you going back to the time they made the World Cup, uh, the World Cup final, um, and losing to Italy in two thousand six. And that 2006 squad was even weaker, but they still managed to put everything inside and put it together, and they all seem to go far. And then most recently, Euro 2016, I don't think people saw them as a strong team, but I don't think many people saw them as maybe a team that would get to the finals quite easily, which they did. I think right. they, got, they went through Ireland as well, um, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but basically, they've got all the talent in the world, literally. They've got a strong, experienced manager, and they're 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 pretty stacked. Honestly, from position to position, I really, like you were mentioning earlier on before uh, we started this. The players that they've left out, yeah, could be good enough to make the squad. You know, yeah, definitely. Um, like that that starting eleven of the players who didn't make it is would be a strong contender um, for for getting to the same. I'm looking at the names like. Lacazette, Martial, Andrea, Adrian Rabio, Kingsley Coman, mm-hmm. Musa, Soko, like, Kentucky, you know, yeah. Soko, really. My time. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Spurs fan, so Soko is like a hate figure at Spurs. Uh, people don't know <laughs> yeah. what he can do. Um, mm-hmm. Fast and strong, but other than that, he's... But yeah, for a lot of other teams, he's a really, he'd be a really good player for um, a lot of other yeah. teams in the World Cup, so yeah, take your point. Um, yeah, I think uh, I wish I could say more, but uh, honestly, I don't think there's much to say. Anything to add to what I've mentioned? No, it's it's really tough when you you kind of look at their their squad on paper. It's really really tough to um, even pick pick the weakest link inside in that um, twenty three man squad, let alone the picking the weak spot in the the starting eleven. Um, obviously, form might dictate who the weak link is, but. When you look at the skills on paper, it's really, really difficult because they've got a kind of that blend of youth and experience. Uh, some players have been around for a while. Um, people have won kind of league titles in their respective countries. Um, so yeah, it's going to be going to be tough to to kind of knock them out. Uh, I guess one mm-hmm. of the biggest surprises for me was Steven Nzandi um, make a, making that a great squad, season yeah. for Sevilla, but um, obviously he was at Blackburn in the Premier League, and I don't think people really. Um, rated him too highly but um, two caps to his name right okay yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's he's 29 and he's got two caps to his name oh that's, so. that's a big call i think players like rabio and kondogbia can um can be pretty pissed off with that obviously he's another great player but mm. um yeah a two cap player at 29 is is kind of unheard of really especially when they've yeah. so much so much talent mm. um if I, if I had to uh, make a guess at how they play, um, first of all, I want to get your opinion. How do you think they're gonna they're gonna set themselves up? Um, yeah, I'd say they're obviously kind of um, probably gonna play with Giroud up front, I'd imagine, and then probably try and get um, as many attacking kind of attacking midfielders behind them. So I would kind of see them doing a four-two-three-one uh, kind of setup. Mm-hmm. Um, having like you know Giroud up front, Griezmann and Bappe, and maybe Lamar, the three behind, yeah. and then Pogba and Kante, but behind them. Um, but yeah, you're the, you're the French expert, so uh, what what? Well, do you think? If I if I, this is probably me, um, 
thinking more football manager or FIFA. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I think I'll keep the. I think I, I think he's gonna go for three three. Um, mm-hmm. And the main point as well is because you got to think about you know you want to get the best out of Pogba. And I think everyone agrees now that Pogba works best on the left side of a four three three midfield. Um, but then I guess. The front three, I don't think Giroud is going to start. Um, right, okay. I think this this seems to be um, a certain kind of... I think this is a certain kind of trend now in using big, tall guys later on in games. Right. Um, I think Jose Mourinho... Uh, or no, it wasn't Jose Mourinho. It was uh, Louis van Gaal, actually. <laughs> that kind of, you know, kind of coined it back in the days when his uh, total football wasn't working. You'd stick Fellaini up front. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of teams, a lot of other teams now um, adopt it. But I would be so, it's probably not going to happen. Maybe you're right, Giroud's going to start. But I would love to see Griezmann, Mbappe and Fakir up front. Griezmann in the, in the middle of that front tree. Like that would just, you know, terrify some defences. Um, yeah, absolutely. But, but yeah, that's how I see, I see them lining up. 4 tree, tree. That terrifying attack. Strong midfield of Matuidi, Pogba on the left. Left, Kante on the right disrupting things and then you know you got probably Varane and Uptiti in the middle of that team ahead of uh, Hugo Lloris mm-hmm. and you're looking at a World Cup final squad <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> is there anything to be said for the French being too arrogant in terms of just being too confident that they kind of look at their group as well and go yeah look at our talent we can easily beat all these players. So do you think there might be a motivation kind of issue? I think, the, I think, um, I don't think so. I, I think the, their population, like the French people are very aware of how good their team are. Mm-hmm. And whenever they, they feel they've got a good team, they expect. So I, I think there's more of a, more nerves than anything in my opinion i think like they're like oh shit we're pretty good we need to perform now yeah. you know it's kind of you you know with england and their golden generation like um and it's probably part of the reason why they were so unsuccessful but like you know when you looked at the english the english fans are probably one of the most knowledgeable fan bases in terms mm-hmm. of football in the world so when you're a kid in the in the noughties and you're thinking about you're looking at rooney up front looking at Michael Owen, you're looking at Frank Lampard, Steven Gerrard, you're looking at Ashley Cole back in his prime, mm-hmm. you know, just from one to 11, like you got starters in the premiership, like, but then each, each major tournament, you know, fans are expecting, expecting, expecting. And then when they fall, they know the backlash and then it leads into the next tournament. So I think the French players, they're well aware of this and they need to do a professional job. If they want to achieve their potential, yeah, yeah, no, the the pressure's on and pressures for diamonds. So, um, I think you would hope for the um, this pressure on the French team to to kind of turn them into diamonds and potentially picking up another another World Cup. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Taking home the gold. Um, well, that's that's me for France, but uh, I think you got some some mentions for Australia now next. Uh, you're going to take Australia. I'm going to take uh, Denmark. Oh, um, Denmark. Yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, obviously, Irish fans will be well aware of uh, the Danes 
Um, we did pretty well in the away game, and then at home, uh, Christian Eriksen scored a hat trick, and you know it became quite embarrassing at the end. So they had a, a decent enough qualifying up until that. Um, obviously, have won a European Championship in 1992 under kind of strange circumstances with Yugoslavia being uh, kind of banned from the tournament, and they were going to call it up. Uh, next in place uh, so I think they've got a good chance of getting out the group but you probably have to say that they're not really uh, going to go too far in the World Cup uh, obviously you had to come through a playoff so delighted to have got to a World Cup um, and probably won't have too much pressure from uh, Danish fans um, I don't think the expectations in that country would be for them to, to kind of win a championship like uh, you kind of mentioned about the, the French fans um, so I think a lot of people that are familiar with the Premier League uh, would obviously be kind of knowledgeable about Kasper Schmeichel, son of Peter Schmeichel. Um, so he's been kind of injured for Leicester City this season. So uh, that might be a bit of uh, an issue for Denmark. He's their, their kind of number one. So uh, they kind of hope that he'd be back into form and fitness for that. Um, Simon Kier, um, it's been kind of dot around, played in Italy, played in um, Turkey for a bit, played for Sevilla for a bit. A uh, good defender. Um, it's kind of rumored to go to Spurs and Liverpool and a couple of other uh, kind of decent teams in the Premier League a couple of seasons ago, but never really kind of worked out for him uh, coming to England. Um, and then obviously uh, Christian Eriksen, who I've kind of previously kind of mentioned, uh, fantastic talent in the number kind of ten role. Um, mentioned numerous times in a Tottenham fan, so I've kind of seen him up close uh, week in week out and. The stuff that he can do is phenomenal. So I think he's definitely like the go-to player who will be pulling all the strings. Uh, he'll probably kind of drop deep uh, to kind of pick up the ball and try and get things moving. Um, Thomas Delaney, very Irish or English-sounding guy, uh, <laughs> plays in the Bundesliga, who's, I think it's um, preferred to Bremen. Um, big kind of talent there. Uh, as soon as I heard him kind of mentioned uh, during the season of having a good season in the Bundesliga, I was Googling him to see if he had an Irish granny to see if we can potentially pinch him. But turns out he's Danish, so uh, no luck there. Um, and then Pioni Sisto, I think we kind of spoke with him uh, kind of before the call. Um, played for Celta Vigo, uh, played for Midtjylland uh, last season or a couple of seasons ago. And uh, you as a United fan got to see him kind of put the pressure on mm. um, the Man United defensive line. Uh, it's kind of a pacey, tricky, uh, kind of wide player. Um, and then obviously up front, uh, Lord Bentner, uh, he's still going. <laughs> um, so I don't think he'll be whipping out any Paddy Power underwear this time. Um, be interesting to see if he actually gets on the pitch. Uh, he kind of came on against Ireland at the very end and I was just dreading him scoring because that would just be the final insult um, to a pretty humiliating <laughs> night. Um, so I think uh, Kasser Dolberg as well is a very interesting striker. He's playing at Ajax and kind of linked with a lot of um, kind of Premier League teams, um, kind of young uh, centre forward. Uh, so it'd be interesting to see if he is a big World Cup because he could be one of those players that has a big World Cup and then uh, makes that big money move. And Ajax do seem to like to sell uh, their young talent. Um, and then the last kind of name and the, the striker kind of setup that people might be familiar with is Andreas Cornelius. Is that a name you remember? Andreas Cornelius? Not exactly, no. Um, yeah, so he signed for Cardiff a couple of years ago. I think he was like their record signing. <clears throat> um, and I think he played like two games and then was sold back. <laughs> in the oh, January geez. transfer window. So 
Yeah, it's I didn't really. Why I haven't heard of him? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of more infamous than uh, than famous. Um. So yeah. Um. The offensive fluidity, what they kind of showed against Ireland was was pretty pretty impressive. Uh, obviously, Ireland wouldn't be the highest rated teams. Um, don't really play nice football, but um, with Ericsson, they've they've got one of those kind of um, X factor type players who can just kind of make it happen. And um, towards the end of the season for Spurs, when we weren't playing well, he was the one who was um, constantly kind of looking to pick up the ball and trying to make things happen against Chelsea when we played. At Stamford Bridge, first half we were doing nothing, and then he scored an absolute long-range screamer. And then from there, you know, we got a lot more confidence, kind of going into the second half. And um, so, I hope Spurs haven't tired him out too hard this season, and that he can perform for Denmark because I definitely think there's a, a second spot up for grabs there. Yeah, totally. Um, I think within the group, uh, Denmark talent-wise are the the second best team there. Mm-hmm. Um, the team screams a lot of functionality with some young talent with mm-hmm. then obviously the, the big talent of um, Ericsson uh, the problem is with you know you have the, for example Bale with Wales you know you got certain teams that have these superstars that can take the whole game by the scruff of the neck and Bale, Salah, and they're just two that come to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but Ericsson is the kind of big player that he needs to be played alongside someone though that can that can do the business. You know, like imagine like Ozil for example. He's a world class player. But do you think if you put Ozil on the team I'm going to talk about next, yeah. Australia, will he be the same player? Um, I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, so w- whether Ericsson can really impact um, the team depends on how aggressive he's going to be himself in uh, being offensive and being attacking rather than being the more playmaking type player he is for Spurs. Because at Spurs, he can use his world class talent to set up, you know, Harry Kane, Son, mm-hmm. Ele Ali. Like, you know, he's got a plethora of uh, options to to set up. While here you've mentioned some some names such as the young Casper uh, Dahlberg or um, Andreas Cornelius if he you know if he gets on or, or Nicholas Bentner. Although there's a kid that you might be familiar with, uh, Victor Fisher. Does that ring a bell for you? Victor Fisher doesn't, but I can quickly Google him and have an opinion. Um, on he, him. Used to, <laughs> he used to play for Ajax. Um, okay. And he was actually once thought of as a as a player that would um, kind of move on to bigger things, but unfortunately, that hasn't exactly happened. And now he's at Copenhagen, um, okay. but he on his day can play football, and he's still young. He's only twenty three. Like that big move may still come. Um, and then they do have some tr- tr- like just screams functionality. Pierre Emil Hoiberg. Is one of my most underrated players in the whole Premier League, um, and I feel oh, yeah. hard days at Southampton to be honest because he from me is a player, um, and then you've got Michael Cromdelli uh, for Deportivo, who's got a lot of talent. He's he's 34. He's got he's experienced now, but he um, he may add a bit of steeliness and wily experience to the squad. Um, 
but again it doesn't ex it doesn't scream danger you know they're gonna have to especially against the bigger teams they're going to have to uh do more than mm -hmm. they have done i suppose um but i suppose for them to make the knockout stages would be seen as a big success for them so yeah definitely anything yeah. to add no, I think I think that's about it. Uh, I'd be interested to see how they they get on and how they perform. And yeah, I don't think they're under too much pressure to um, get to the knockout stage. So I think yeah, they might play with a bit, bit more freedom than than some of the other teams. Um, and then you know it's kind of between them, Australia and Peru to to kind of come second. So uh, those games would be very interesting. And speaking of, we're going to talk about Australia right now, and. Uh... Now, their team is made up of random players from Asian leagues, mm -hmm. the championship, and League One. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like so, an Irish team. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is unattached. And that, oh, well. that notable individual is Team Cahill. <laughs> okay, well. The, the legend, the myth. Um, I wonder, really be uh, boxing the corner flag. Uh, yeah. Wonders he's still um, doing that celebration. I, I'm sure he'll bring it back. Yeah. <laughs> One last rodeo. Trademarked. Um, this this team, I suppose, uh, this team that I think them just making it here is is the World Cup for them. To be honest, um, some of the teams we've mentioned earlier on in some previous podcasts, such as Morocco or Egypt, mm -hmm. they would. You know, I think that would be this Australian team quite handy. Okay. Um, but hey, if I'm going to talk about the positives, I think they can have the potential to be well organized on the day. But there doesn't seem to be anything that uh, kind of gives me real hope that that will happen. Um, the coach by a Dutch, a Dutch coach, um, who's a former player for goal. Head Eagles, AZ um, Alkmaar. Um, okay. And it just seems that he comes from that kind of total football kind of generation. And um, I don't know if that's going to work exactly with this Australian team that they have. Mind you, though, they do have some some players that you'd know. Um, most notably, uh, Matthew Ryan from Brighton and Hove Album, who's a okay. solid goalkeeper. Um, and okay. One of my favorite players, he's not in the Premiership anymore, but he was one of my favorite players when he was. Now it's Mila Jedinak. Oh, yeah, yeah. Is he playing with um, Derby yeah, he's, or? He's with Aston Villa right now. Aston Villa, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they got Tom Rogic, who's uh, with Celtic. Um, and then um, I'm just looking at the squad. And then there's obviously Tim Cahill up front, mm -hmm. uh, who. Thirty years of age is gonna be yeah, probably leading the line for them, uh, but they do also have um, Robbie Cruz and Matthew Lechel, Lecky, um, who both play in the very competitive German leagues. So okay. maybe if they do get the opportunity to get up front, um, they can make a scare. But again, functionality is what I'm thinking of. L come out in a strong, solid four-four-two. And uh, see if they can nick a goal on the other side and defend for their lives. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, one player I do like um, actually that's in their squad is Aaron Moy from uh, Huddersfield Town. Oh, really good, really good shot. I actually missed yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he looks um, talented. I presume he'd be kind of uh, 
in the the kind of Christian Eriksen kind of mold what we're talking about previously about Denmark about being the kind of go-to player and the, the player who's kind of looking to make it happen in that kind of number 10 attacking role mm. I, I totally agree um, Aaron Moy I've seen some of his performances most notably against my team Man United earlier on in the yeah. season where he kind of ran us ragged yeah, um, as if he was playing for Man City never mind as if he was playing for Huddersfield um, he's obviously yeah. a former Man City Academy uh, player. Yeah, I was going to um, say that to rub it in, but yeah, you obviously knew that. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of taking a bit of the punch out of there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I do like him as a player as well. Um, but uh, overall, I don't see um, too much. I'm not too positive in terms of their hopes mm-hmm. for going further into the competition. Um could they sneak that second spot? It kind of depends whether Denmark kind of collapse or maybe don't perform as well as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, they should be able to hand, handle Peru, but maybe I might be swayed from your opinions of Peru. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's probably the perfect segue into uh, to Peru. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, obviously they came out of uh, Cannonball, uh, which is the South African, or it's a, I keep saying that, South American um confederation uh, which is probably like one of the the highest caliber uh, groups to to kind of come out of and uh, they did very well uh, kind of coming out of that um out of that confederation group um so obviously there's a couple of players seems to be kind of more predominantly kind of older players with a uh, mix of youth um so i think farfan is is probably one of their most recognizable players uh, i think he's played at psv uh, for a long time and now he's playing in in russia um so i think i did actually not know where that guy was from until just now yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah so he's peruvian uh would you know remember when he was playing at psv i desperately wanted uh, spurs to sign him um so yeah yeah he was at psv for for quite a long time um so i think he's he's came through a, a good youth academy there so it was, it was very technical uh loves taking a free kick and um, can play as a forward or, or a winger, depending on the, the needs. Um, so he's currently playing at the local Moto Moscow. So um, don't know if that will help him um, playing it, being used to the the climate and the, the people mm. and, and everything like that. So he won't have too far to travel. Um, so yeah, he's kind of dotted around mm. a couple of different teams: PSV, Schalke, Al Jazeera, and then to to local Moto Moscow last year. Um, so he's probably like their, their kind of go-to um, player. Um, um, trying to look through, see who else people uh, would recognize. Um, there's not a lot of talent that's playing in the um, in the Premier League. Um, no, it's very South America dominated, isn't it? Especially mm-hmm. in the defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so he's probably their only player that I recognize. <laughs> um, so they are they are quite highly rated. Um, they do have um, a couple of other players um, in terms of like talisman is Pablo Guerrero. Um, might have had his doping ban extended apparently so um he's obviously not going to be about or else he'll be um beefed up to the absolute maximum and be able to beast everybody including the french squad 
Oh. It, so um, <laughs> uh, I don't think he'll be making it to the to the World Cup this year. Um, God damn it! I know, unfortunately. Um, yeah, there's there's not too much else to talk about Peru because I don't really know too much about them. <laughs> yeah, P- Peru are like one of those teams that um, they they're kind of hidden in terms of what the players can really uh, show. Like you've said, they've literally just. Is it literally they've got two players in Europe and oh no they've got they've got more they've got a couple more um Andre Carrillo does that name will ring a bell he plays for Watford um I don't think he's gotten the most game time this season yeah I've seen him kind of come on quite a bit actually um he he might be able to to add something um and then they also have. Sergio Peña, a young player, plays in Granada in La Liga. Um, and maybe as well, he he might be able to, you know, show some talents and get himself um, more game time at Granada or maybe a move. Mm-hmm. Um, he's obviously done enough uh, to get into the squad with only four international appearances so far. And then another player I think I can say maybe may have a little bit of talent is Renato Tapia basically because he's 22 and plays in the Dutch league and anyone under 23 who plays for Holland for a Dutch team is a prospect in my opinion yeah. <laughs> get the scouts out there <laughs> yeah that's what I do in football manager anyway mm-hmm. um so yeah like like you said I can't really look too in depth because I really don't know much about Peru myself either yeah um but who knows? They might surprise us. But you know, yeah, just kind of looking at their their FIFA rankings right now, and they're they're ranked quite highly, um, which kind uh, of com- comes as a surprise. So I'm actually just double checking because I, I searched it quickly, and it's at 11th. Um, so obviously, we kind of talked about the FIFA rankings in the last podcast and about their actual merits. Mm. Um, so what's the Elo rankings there? Oh yeah, let's check it out. Yeah, Peru are actually joint tenth with the Netherlands. Wow. On the Yellow ranking. So um Wow. They obviously did How? well. Yeah. <laughs> they um did quite well in, in their, their qualifying group. Um so obviously they get to play a lot of really good quality teams there. Um mm-hmm. like Argentina and Brazil a couple of times, Uruguay, who are all highly ranked teams, and they actually managed to get a good few points off all those teams in qualifying. Brazil aside, so um, you know that obviously kind of helps them with their rankings, given that they're playing such high quality opposition on a on a regular basis, be it in the Copa America, mm. which is every two years, um, or in qualifying for for the World Cup. Yeah, um, I think uh, you've kind of covered everything um, that you can cover with Peru. I don't know if there's anything else that you want to add. Um no I think that's that's about it. Um yeah, Farfan is about as depth as my knowledge goes and yeah, I kind of missed uh, Carrillo when you were kind of <laughs> mentioning him there and I was like, oh yeah, I have I do know that guy. Um, so, um yeah, be interesting to see how he does. Uh, well, um I think we've covered uh, all four teams. Um do you want to check the odds there for who's to yeah, win and who's to qualify? Let's do that. Um, so who's your money on anyway, besides France? Um, I think to qualify, it's going to be France and Denmark. Um, and then 
obviously to win it's going to be France and you um yeah it's kind of hard to disagree with that obviously I'd say France are odds on favorites for for winning every game um and obviously coming top of their group um and then yeah Peru obviously my in-depth analysis wasn't that in-depth so it be a bit <laughs> of a surprise package um obviously with the ranking at 11th they obviously have some talent in there um but mm-hmm. um yeah I'd probably go along with you in terms of Denmark as well um mm. sticking close to the knowledge I do know rather than taking the, the risky risky kind of bet of just going going with Peru just for the, the sake of it um mm. Yeah, let, let's check the odds anyway, and we can see, um, get a bit more insight and see what the the bookies and the markets are saying. Um, so this is Group C. Okay, so Group C, Group Winner. So yeah, France at one point four, then it's Denmark at five to one, then Peru at ten to one, and Australia at twenty-two to one. And so I think that kind of mm. backs up what we were we were saying. Yeah. Um, and then to I qualify, France at one point zero five, Peru at three point one, Denmark one point six five, and Australia four point five. Um, so that kind of goes along what we were thinking um but i think mm-hmm. that's kind of the the easier decisions to make once you don't really know too much about peru um yeah i think it's basically going to be a challenge for third spot you know between australia and peru yeah <laughs> yeah who's going to go home with the wooden spoon um i can check those out yeah basically going to be um he's going to be rock bottom um so yeah, Australia are the odds on favorites at 1.83 to be rock bottom. Then it's Peru at 2.52. Mm. I I don't I don't know if I'll end up betting on that exact uh, specification to be yeah. honest, but uh, uh who knows? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> beauty of sports. But um I think uh I think that's what we're going to you know, go across for group C for now. Um, and now we're gonna like, uh, we're gonna engage in our live duel, our <laughs> first live duel actually. Yeah. And uh, new format change. <laughs> this is gonna be a new format change. And basically, we're gonna have two topics. We're gonna have uh, a topic um, that we're gonna be on opposing sides of, and we're gonna be quite passionate about this topic. And, uh, the first one that we're gonna go for today is Ryan and Nine Glo. You say his name, I don't know. Nengangalan. Nengangalan, if that's how. Yeah, I very much that too. Sounds like you made that up. Yeah. Um, <laughs> He's part but Indonesian anyway. That's where he gets the the name from, which is uh, a bit more difficult for for us to say. Ah, okay, okay. But uh, do you think it was the right decision for him? to be left out of the squad by Roberto Martinez. And uh, I'm going to say yes. And uh, you're going to say no? Yeah, I was going to say no anyway. So thank you for uh, taking the more difficult side of that. Uh, So I don't think it was the right decision at all. Um, I think (laughs) Martinez took the the easy option. I think they've got a bit of a history, a bit of a beef. Uh, And the gang line is obviously a strong character. 
um, with his own kind of thoughts and opinions. Um, did very well this year for, for Roma. Has been linked with the move to, to Chelsea over the last number of years. I think they put in massive bids for him, but they didn't actually manage to, um, to snatch him away from Roma. Um, so he's definitely more talented than Axel Witzel. Axel Witzel's taken the money and ran to Russia. Then he took the money and ran <laughs> to, to China. Um, yet he's into the squad. Um, so I think, yeah, and then Gangland adds that tenacity. Kind of reminds me of like, um, like a Tuso type figure um, with mm-hmm. a bit more skill. Um, bit of a chopper man, very aggressive uh, in the tackle, uh, but can play some nice stuff. Obviously, he kind of gave the ball away cheaply to uh, Liverpool in the Stadio Olimpico. Um, which resulted in Liverpool scoring away um, very early on in that game. But then he kind of stood up and took a shot from distance, scored and put Liverpool under pressure, going to the dying stages, and they won a penalty, which he converted uh, under pressure. And then obviously they kind of ran out of time. So I think Martinez has taken uh, the easy option. I think he's uh, kind of proven himself to be uh, kind of a weak manager um, at his time at Everton. Can't really organize the defense. Strong words. I know. Yeah, no, I kind of share. He's got the same surname as me if I was Spanish, but that's about as far as uh, <laughs> as we go in terms of similarities. Uh, don't really rate him that highly as a manager. I think he talks a good game and um, can add some fluidity to um, attacking sides. Obviously, did very well with, with Swansea when he kind of brought them up, but um, yeah, I think he took the easy, easy decision here um, with the the beef that was there with um, him and Nangangalan. Mm. Um, well, I'm here to say basically that everything you said is completely <laughs> false. <laughs> trash. Completely trash. Completely I trash. Just, I just make it up on the spot anyway because I didn't know we were going to be talking about this. I didn't know this was. Our- it's it's all wrong, <laughs> basically. I think Morobierto Martinez was right in leaving him out. Now, as a po- as in terms of Martinez as a coach, I'm not here to say that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's still young in his international coaching career, so I don't think he can be fully fully Alanized just yet. But um, Nangangalan uh, is firstly. A player who's got some behavioral issues um, when not around a person he feels comfortable with. Um, and like you said, Martinez and Nangangalan have had some, um, you know, have not met eye to eye. And at the end of the day, this is a World Cup. This is where you're going to be in a team that you need for as much team camaraderie and chemistry as possible. And if, if you feel that one players he may not exactly he's a key player, but he's not exactly your star player. If you can afford to leave him out of the squad, sometimes it's something you have to do. Um and then my second point is that the system that I believe Martinez wants to play, he does not fit. He needs uh, two screens while Nangangalan is more of an offensive midfield player who can, I do admit, he can track back and do some of the nitty-gritty, but the job that Fellaini and um the job that Fellaini and Whistle do um, especially Fellaini can do, in my opinion, Nangangalan's job and slightly more due to his height and physicality. Mm-hmm. And I, f- I feel, maybe I'm being a bit biased, but I feel Fellaini is very underrated in, st- in the things that he does. Um, he breaks a play. He, uh, he wins, off, obviously, his aerial presence. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> on, you know, it's, not, it's unmatched, really, on, against most teams. Uh, 
and I know you mentioned the elbows there, yeah. uh, but uh, <laughs> um, I just feel Martinez, obviously Martinez coached him as well at Everton. I feel like he uh, think he's the better player to put there. And you can say as much as you want for Axel Vest being in China, but again, the type of player that he is fits the type of mold that he wants for the squad. And Nangadalan has not done himself any favors. He's still a big smoker, and no, he somehow managed to perform at a high level for Roma. Mm -hmm. But uh, certain things you just don't do if you want to make the squad, and you got to please your coach. You know what happened to the times when we all used to praise coaches for making the strong decision to to say no, you can't do this, no, you can't do that, and because maybe Martinez is a younger coach on the international front. Uh, we're all quick to, to slaughter him. I think he's made the right decision. I think he's made a brave and strong decision. And now it's just time to see in the World Cup whether it'll pay off. Yeah, that's that's fair enough. But the, the smoking, I didn't actually realize that he was a smoker. But Zinedine Zidane used to enjoy a cigarette. So Yeah, but like that's God. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. he can do whatever he wants. God can smoke <laughs> if he wants to. <laughs> yeah, but obviously we're going to be talking about... Um, Belgium in an upcoming podcast. Um, I just noticed that they've got two players uh, playing in the Chinese league, which is a bit of a surprise. Um, mm -hmm. But I think going back to the Nangangalan uh, kind of topic, um, they announced their, their 28 man squad today. So it's not like he got dropped at the last minute into the 23. Um, he's not even on the first reserve list. So um, I think that's, yeah, obviously. It's been a decision that he's not going under any circumstances, even if Fellaini and Axelvitz will get injured in the morning, that he's just been dropped And obviously he retired um, as a result of, of today's news of being left out from international football. So um, See, I think it would have been great to have him there. But Him, him retiring just alone there, mm -hmm. him, him retiring there shows a bit of mental weakness, in my opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you're just going to start crying and you're going to retire now at only age 30 because you didn't make the squad? Yeah, you but know, Messi retired last year after... Um... That, that, kind of, that kind of... Sorry? No, Messi retired after losing the, the, the Copa America a couple of years ago. So he's... Oh, he previously. Sorry? What did you say that I kind of missed that part? Yeah, I think my internet needs to be dropping as we speak. But um, yeah, Messi retired from international football. Um, then he, he came back. So is that a sign of mental weakness? <laughs> well, see, M Messi, in my opinion, Messi retired because he felt he'd do no more with the Argentinian squad. Um, mm. And obviously he came back. Um, but like Messi is literally a one-man show trying to win a tournament by himself. <laughs> And um, while Ra Raja Nang Nangangalan is trying to say, okay, you're not going to pick me for this tournament. I'm going to sulk and retire and be like, look, you know what? I'm not going to be up for, um, I'm not going to be up for selection at all. And he's probably, to be honest, he might even come back. And to be honest, mm -hmm. he should be because he'll be still available at 32 for the, uh, for the next Euros. And he can still be a good choice and um, whether it's still martinez or someone else as coach you know you should buck up and say look i didn't make the squad this time i'll be back next time mm. and 
you know, that's, that's, that just shows me that it was the right decision because it means that he's got too much of an ego, too much of a me, me, me kind of attitude um, to take this team forward. Yeah, that's it's going to be interesting to see if uh, Martinez does well with uh, the Belgian squad and if he does well, uh, obviously he'll be retained and Nangangalan will probably be excommunicated and that retirement will be permanent. Uh, but if he doesn't do well, then I presume Martinez and his assistant uh, Thierry Henry will be kind of shown the door. So that might open the door then for mm-hmm. Nangangalan to, to make a return. Um, step back in. Yeah. Also, this is probably a, a little side note um, that has nothing to do with it. But how did Christian Benteke make this squad? <laughs> he can't even score penalties, man. Like, he, he's literally been the worst player in the Premier League. Like, he's <laughs> so bad. Like, <laughs> he's been absolutely awful this year. I, like, there's literally so many other players you can pick. Maybe this is only the preliminaries. I don't yeah. even know how he even made it this far. Um, I was watching it near the end of the season. And some of his misses, he, I think he's got the record for missing the most clear-cut chances this season. <laughs> That's um, a kind of thing. So he's basically, and a clear-cut chance is basically when it's basically just a player and the goalie and, not, and a clear line between the player and the goalie to shoot. And he's missed the most. And <laughs> I, I'm not even sure if that's just a premiership record or if that's a European-wide record. But... He used to be a really good player. He used to have you know, the Premier League at his hands. That mm-hmm. season with Aston Villa where he scored, I think, was it 20-something goals? Yeah, I think 20. Ever since his something. move to Liverpool. No, was it Liverpool? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He did that great for Liverpool. He went to Crystal Palace. He did okay in the beginning. But then oh, his form has just been absolute dirt. Um, I don't know how he's made that squad. Sorry, yeah. that's just a little um, segue. Yeah, little little side note. Um, yeah, the only thing I remember yeah. from this season is Crystal Palace getting a penalty, the usual penalty taker being kind of muscled off the ball by Benteke, and then Benteke missing, <laughs> and then they ended up, I think they drew the game in the end, um, but, you know, Crystal Palace weren't exactly safe at that point, and even towards the end, they weren't, um, they weren't exactly safe up until the couple of games to go. Um, so yeah, yeah I, Zaha saved their ass yeah, yeah, I think yeah. striker is probably the weakest part of um Belgian squad mm. uh, you're right there, uh, you look at some of their options, and um did you have Dries Martins who plays with Napoli mm. and Michi Pachwai, but I think Pachwai's got it's for from an injury, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Or, or, I, mean, I, I think that's probably why Benteke made it. <laughs> probably, but uh, I'm pretty sure there's a Belgian guy out there somewhere. Yeah. Um, but anyway, that's that's just my uh, my two cents that I felt I really need to add in. Uh, Raina Nangang, whatever his name is, needs <laughs> yeah. to grow grow up. Uh, <laughs> And uh, I think I feel that's that's it for this po- for this podcast. Uh, have you got anything left to add? No, I think that's about it. But um, I think we're going to have an interesting podcast when we talk Belgium because, yeah, we we could just easily start talking about it right now because I think there's a lot of good players in there that we could <laughs> speak a lot about. And obviously, good few um, from the Premier League, which is which is always good for 
for Ork and extra insight. And some of the players that have made it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Like Yanazai. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> I think that's it for today. Cool. Cool.